she's not set on fire with this new fire. The new fire creates a boundary around her that she understands that she's in charge of this new fire now, that she is the one wielding this new fire now because it is a system of boundaries. So now she understands that the next love that she must give must be with boundaries. So there's new fire around her now that blazes around her, transforms her as she leaves the cocoon into a great phoenix. She becomes a deity, a goddess now. She understands that discernment is one of her powers. She understands that being an empath comes with great responsibility, that love itself must be protected, that she must be selfish before she could be selfless. I'm an insane, sexual, shadow witch and my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of Horrorpod. Welcome to Horpod. Tonight I'm with an amazing god, a deeply magical being. See, sometimes people talk about feeling lost or feeling like they don't have guides or mentors or teachers. And I go in and out of feeling that way myself. And I was definitely feeling that last spring of where and who do I look to right now when the world is in a state of chaos. And my guides were like, bitch, just ask for a teacher and they'll show up. And my guides quickly reminded me our teachers can come in many forms and in many ways. And one day I sat down and I was having a heart to heart and sort of arguing with my guides about like, what the fuck am I doing and what should I be doing? And my guides were like, Lacey, listen, and you'll hear a teacher. And I was like, whatever, I don't know what that means. And I just had this urge then to open up Clubhouse. And I had never really been in Clubhouse before, and I've still never even spoke on Clubhouse or anything like that. I think this was one of the only times I opened the app, and I joined a random room, and I think it was a room on finance, (laughs) and I heard the amazing Black Abyss dropping bombs of golden wisdom. And I came in in the middle of a conversation where Black Abyss was talking about sort of the mythology and the energy between the narcissist and the empath. And my bones started shaking. 
I felt like a teacher was speaking directly to me, to my heart. And just hearing snippets of that conversation, I felt like I was getting healing. So I went on Instagram and found Black Abyss right away. And we did an Instagram live together, but I'm so honored and so excited to have you on my podcast. Welcome, Black Abyss. Tell us who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, um, wow, <laughs> that's a nice introduction. Well, some call me a spiritual teacher. I try to break down ancient knowledge into modern day understanding in the most simplest forms. I help guide people through their journey um, of self-healing, self-awareness. I do have a podcast on Anchor called The Black Abyss, and it dives deep into different subjects. I only record when it's organic. I am somewhat of a life coach. I dive into um, self-awareness, mostly. Have you always tapped into this spiritual knowledge or ancient wisdom, and how did you access that? Wow. Whew. We are always where we are supposed to be. Nothing is a coincidence. And the person that gave me the knowledge actually lived right underneath me in a previous building I used to live in. That's why I say we are always where we are supposed to be. And I met her back in 2002. And for years, I would just go back and forth with myself trying to understand certain things and observe my life and observe the environment because that's what we are. We are here to observe. We are observers of our own lives. And everybody here is a variation of ourselves and we are reflections and people show us their mirror and we show them our mirror. But I had gained that knowledge from someone and through that knowledge I had became the best observer of my own life in order to transform it. That's beautiful. So it was a great experience, right? How did she start sharing the knowledge with you? What did that look like? Well, when I met her, I was walking in the hallway. She was sweeping the floor. And I remember like it was yesterday. And she was using words like frequency and vibration. We just got into this random conversation. I don't know how it started. But it was supposed to happen exactly how it happened. Then she invited me to come to her place later, and I came. And when I walked in, her entire apartment was a library. There were books on the floor. There were books on the on the on the counter. There were books on. There were just books everywhere, and all the stuff that people are learning now, like law of attraction, which are really hermetic laws. Um, Mansanto. Terminator seeds, suicide seeds, transhumanism. These things are like new, very, very new now. And we used to, I used to come down almost every night and we just used to go back and forth on information. And I learned transcendental thinking. I learned how to go beyond linear thinking, beyond materialistic thinking. I would just come down and we would just sit for like hours and just talk. You know, she was a guide for you, and you were a guide for me. Yeah, correct. I think that's 
I feel like the matrix and like American culture teaches us we're so alone. It tries to always push this like loneliness in our head and it makes us feel isolated, especially now more than ever. I feel like we're so isolated. But when we allow spirit to show up for us, I feel like the guides really just pop up. Can you tell me what you mean by transcendental thinking? So beyond material, beyond the physical. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Some things are obvious, but we do not notice them. They be It's beyond our finite mind. Um, it doesn't need an equation. It doesn't need to be proved or defined. It is a supernatural force. If you are walking down the street at this very moment, who is digesting your food? Who is doing your breathing? Who is cleaning your blood? Right? Who is yeah. allowing your heart to beat? Not you. You are not doing the manual work of it. You are just strolling down the street and everything is being taken care of for you. That means the force behind your physical vessel is a supernatural force. That you are the technology through, this, through which this supernatural force is experiencing itself. If I say, Lacey, go to sleep right now. Right now, go to sleep. Can you do that? Fuck no. You cannot do it at will. Absolutely. That means you are not in control. That means sleep is happening without you. That means you go to sleep when you let go of sleep. Mm. So even in the dream state, even in the dream state, the mind is awake. It's only the body that sleeps. The mind doesn't sleep. So that means there is a supernatural force that is behind you, that it is the guide of you, that is the great manifester. It is a anti-matter, anti-material force that cannot be defined. That is the I am. I don't have a name. I don't have a gender. I don't have... Uh, you can't define me. Do not try to understand me. I am the tree. I am the blade of grass. I am you. I am me. I am the air. I am the totality of everything and everyone. I have no name. I am just the I am. I am. I exist. In everything and everyone, this is this supernatural force. Yeah. So we don't need to prove we don't need to prove that you are not cleaning your own blood. You are not digesting your own food. You are not doing your own breathing. It is obvious that you are not doing any of that. So that means there is a supernatural force that is the controller and the regulator of your physical vessel. I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping lately. Like, I cannot sleep. Mm -hmm. What do you feel about, like, when people can't sleep? 
how does that relate to this like supernatural force? If you having trouble sleeping, then there is something that is keeping you anxious. And mostly it is your thoughts. Your thoughts are conscious. Your thoughts carry an electrical charge. Your thoughts are magnetic. So whatever thoughts, the mind is the prison. That is truly your prison. It is the prison of consciousness. So whatever thoughts, whatever infections and viruses, those thoughts can be infections. Those thoughts can be viruses. Most of our fears do not even belong to us. Most of our thoughts do not even belong to us. They belong to other people. So we are actually, most of the time, we are living out other people's thoughts, other people's fears. So there's those thoughts are keeping you awake. Whatever you are thinking about, whatever you are anxious about, whatever you are angry about, whatever aversions you have, that's what's keeping you awake. Yeah. And I'll like fall asleep and I, it won't be hard to fall asleep, but then I just wake up with this like rush of feeling. And I think it's really interesting that you say it's not, sometimes it's not ours, like the virus is someone else's. And it's just like the grief will hit me in the middle of the night out of nowhere. Those are your thoughts. Your thoughts are keeping you awake. Yeah, I know. In one sense, it feels so complex. And then in another sense, I'm like, bitch, do yoga before bed. Like, get into your body before you go to sleep. And that will make all the difference. 90% of your energy back to yourself. Yeah, say more about that. Recall 90% of your energy back to yourself when you wake up and before you go to bed. As you move into stillness, remove yourself from the emotions and remove yourself from the thoughts. Do not project your emotions into them. Do not project your thoughts into them. Focus on you. Focus on what do you want to accomplish today. Focus on what you want to accomplish tomorrow. Focus on you. Give the thoughts to you. Do not give the thoughts to other things. 90% of your energy, call it back to yourself. Give all your first thoughts at bedtime and in the morning to you. Think about you. What do I want? What do I want to do today? What what would I like to do today? Reverse the thoughts back to you and not to your boss, your job, your mother, your father. Give them all to you. Do you do you feel like people have supernatural abilities? I believe people are some yes, I believe people are sensitive, some people are seers, some people are dreamers, um um oracles. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel like people could tap into that? Um I think I think people just have to trust themselves and not feel weird about it and not feel strange about it. They have to stop, remove judgment from themselves first and become confident about it. Because sometimes when you get those abilities, you feel like people feel weird, they feel awkward. They feel like something is wrong with them. So So people have to stay in the surety of themselves and don't try to suppress their gifts, but allow it to flow freely and engage in it. 
play with it. It's like the imagination, play with it, engage in it. What do you, I'm just asking you a whole bunch of questions all over the place, but what do you feel like is happening in the world right now or since 2022 on a spiritual level? What do you feel like the pandemic is? Oh man, it's the greatest, the greatest change, greatest sense of freedom you're getting ready to witness or you're witnessing for the first time in, for the first time, humanity is forced to focus on one thing collectively. Our awareness is locked in and mobilized as a group. See, before something happened in China, you didn't think about it because it didn't concern you. If something happened in the Middle East, you didn't think about it because you're not there. But for the first time in history, this is affecting everyone everywhere. It is in the awareness of everyone, everywhere, all at the same time. No matter who you are and where you are, it is affecting you. That means for the first time, humanity is working in unison, is working in unity. But the, the divinity is always cloaked in the suffering. Because in order to free yourself out of this, we have to mobilize. We will have to move in a unit. Why we will have to move into a unit? Because it's affecting everyone everywhere. You understand? So now we have to follow the first law of the universe, cohesion, together, togetherness, oneness. We have to come together if we want to overcome. You understand? So it's forcing us to see the darkest of the darkest of our existence. Losing jobs, losing people, losing health, losing mental sanity. This is all happening. You understand? Yeah. So <laughs> it's a you have to see the divinity in everything because you cannot power the remote without the negative side of the battery. All the energy is needed. It's not enough for people to be to hear of something anymore. Now they have to see it and now they're seeing it collectively. So collectively we have to solve the problem. You understand? Because why? See, before if it happened in China, you could say, well, they have to solve the problem. But what's divine about this is that it's affecting everyone. So that means humanity has to solve the problem. So the law yeah. of one brings us together all over again. Yeah, there's more of a global consciousness happening. Do do you right. ever get yes. do you ever get scared that we won't work together or that people won't join in community? Yes, there's always a possibility because there's always going to be people who are afraid. There's going to always be people who um, are always selfish. Um, but regardless of what happens. Um, any separation from the whole is going to create suffering. Separation creates suffering. So everybody has a role to play. 
in this um, this global issue. So our biggest concern is not to really focus on um, trying to make anybody do anything because you can't escape the divine plan. Your plan is not, your plan is not the divine plan. So whatever plans you have, the divine plan will wipe it out in a matter of seconds. Whatever you're trying to do, the divine plan will wipe it out. And this virus showed that your plan is not part of the divine plan. So whatever plan you had, Corona came and wiped it out. It came and changed everybody's plan. There's always a divine plan greater than your plan. So you yeah. allow those people to do whatever, whatever you allow these people to do, whatever they think they're going to do. Yeah. I feel like everyone has a divine purpose as well. And I feel like we all signed up, like our, our higher selves signed up to be here mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't feel connected to their purpose or to the divine plan, what would you tell them? Well, the thing about life is you will repeat a loop until you initiate yourself out of your own suffering. So to help people understand is that the world is a reflection of who you are. The inner reality creates the outer form. Everything in your life is being created through you. So life is not happening outside of you. It is happening as you. Your life is the effect your mind is the cause so whatever decisions that you're trying to make even if you're making them out of fear the world will respond to that if you want a life that this world will respond to then you have to think within that same frequency vibration. So if you are afraid and you're thinking in fear, then this world will magnetize fear to you. Everything around you will be fear. People that will come to you will be fear. If you can understand that the world is only mirroring your mind, and when you truly understand that, when you let go of fear, then everything outside of you becomes fearless. So just understand you are the mirror and you're walking through the law of correspondence. The world is responding to you, but you are reacting to it. See, we are reacting to the world, but the world is only responding to who we are. So we say life is attacking me. I can't catch a break. You're reacting to life. So you're projecting out more fear. You have to respond to it. If someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't cut them off in traffic. You're responding to life. If someone is yelling and screaming, you don't yell and scream. You're responding to life, not reacting. Yes. Can you say more about how we're mirrors for each other? So if I'm walking down the street and I smile, Lacey, and you smile, The energy tells me this person matches my vibration and I need to align with this person. And then I turn the other corner and I smile and the other person doesn't smile. The energy tells me 
that this person does not match my vibration. So jealousy is everything I see in you I would like to. So therefore, I invert your light. Envy is everything in you I would like to accomplish. So I invert your light. You, I don't have empathy, but I know you do. So I come to you for it. I try to steal your empathy. So when you change, I either have to change or I have to repel you. Because me and you are friends because everything inside of you is inside of me. Mm. You like to get wasted, I like to get wasted. You like to do drugs, I like to do drugs. You like to party, I like to party. The minute you change, I see my mirror. What do I see in my mirror? I see everything that I did not accomplish. I see everything that I am not doing with my life. Why? Because I am seeing it, I am seeing it through your change. You are showing me my mirror. So then I stop being friends with you. Because now you are reminding me of the things I am not doing with my life. That is the mirror effect. In honor of Venus Day, Valentine's, mm. love. <laughs> I feel like you're a great <laughs> I feel like you're a great person to talk about love with. So, okay, let's just get into it. Let's talk about love. What is love? How would you define it? Love is what we are. It's not something that we do. It is what we are. It is the relationship that we have with everything and everyone. It is the first law of the universe. It is cohesion, um, togetherness, union. Nature is the blueprint of how we are supposed to interact with each other. Everything in nature lives in an interdependent relationship. It lives in a relationship of cohesion and balance. So you see that tree? I cannot live without that tree. That tree provides me my oxygen. That tree also makes sure that prevents floods from happening, mudslides and things like that. So we need these trees. Um, the tree also is responsible for growing my food. The beehive, the relationship with the beehive and being able to provide the honey. The honey is used for so many things. It's, oh man, you can use honey on wounds. Honey, they say honey is one of the, the first, uh, one of the ingredients that can last for up to 6,000 years. Bee pollen. The jellyfish has no brain. The jellyfish has three central nervous systems. That's profound. You know what I mean? The jellyfish has no brain. But if the jellyfish didn't eat the poisons that was in the ocean, when you go fishing, you will die. So nature has a relationship with each other. It depends on each other. It has a relationship based on interdependency. And then that relationship leads to balance and harmony. The relationship is what love is. Now, we apply that relationship to our relationship. If in your relationship you have interdependency, you operate as one mind, one heart, one consciousness. Once you have a support system, once you have um, balance in your relationship, then the effect of that is the feeling of, of, of security. The effect of that is the feeling of validation and oneness. So the feeling that comes from that relationship, from the from the interdependency, from the balance of the relationship, from the support system. It's the expression of the love, but the relationship itself is love. You understand? The relationship that yeah. we have with each other, when humanity, when humanity is working in harmony, when humanity is supporting each other, when humanity has empathy and compassion and sympathy for each other, 
when humanity looks out for each other, when humanity lives in a mindset of not individuality, when humanity lives in a mindset of wholeness, that is love. This is what we are. It's not something that we do. It's what we are. We are this relationship yeah. of cohesion. What about this energy of like Disney and finding your prince and this obsession we oh, get man, in society about finding? That's, that's romanticism. <laughs> that's romanticism. It's very dangerous. It's romanticism. It's not realistic. You understand? Romanticism says that, you know, if I love you, you will love me back. If I extend all my love, if I become this perfect, if I walk into things with expectations, if I, if you meant, romanticism allows us to walk into situations with expectations. Uh, romanticism allows codependency. Romanticism is, is, is very dangerous. Romanticism is a false sense of what love truly is. You understand? So love does not conquer all in romanticism. So we still have to use discernment. So in a relationship of love, what we have to understand is that we do not own other people's love. We can only experience it. If somebody decides that they don't want to be with you anymore after 10 years, the experience is over. We do not get to possess anybody. We do not get to own anybody. We can only experience it. Also, we can only love people how we love ourselves. Romanticism doesn't teach that. We are loving people how we love ourselves. We are not just supposed to give our love away to people. There's consequences. Love has consequences. Love has to protect its own heart. You understand? Any love given must be returned. What are the you consequences know? of just giving your love out? Oh, <laughs> we could see that in narcissism. We could see that in narcissism. It's, it leaves you in a state of longing. It leaves you in a state of, of, of pure codependency. It robs you of self-love. It robs you of self-love. You see, you're supposed to be selfish in order to be selfless. You have to learn how to be selfish first. You have to choose mm. yourself first. You have to have self-love first. People who just give their love away, they have a sick need to want to be needed by other people more than they need, more than the protection of their own selves. They have no boundaries. This is called dependency, a lack of boundaries, a lack of standards. You understand? A lack of protection, protecting one's own, own love. You have to protect your own love. You just don't give it away. You have to use your discernment to who you give your energy to. That energy, that love is an energy. And, and it's the most wanted energy on the planet. Love people how we love ourselves. People don't love us. They love the way we love them. People love us because they love the way we love ourselves. That's good. So you don't think that we can really love and admire a person for their personality and their body and their heart? You think it's all coming back to the self? It's all coming back to the self because it's not your journey. It's the soul's journey. You're trying to make it about your journey. It's not your journey. It's the soul's journey. This is why you can have 10 cars in the driveway. This is why you can have a mansion. 
This is why you can be dropped there gorgeous and still be unfulfilled, still not be happy. Because you can have 10 beautiful women, you can have 10 beautiful men, you will never be happy because it is not your journey, it is the soul's journey. The soul's journey is not about your happiness, it is about its purpose. People want to be fulfilled, mm. purpose. Two beautiful people sitting at a dinner table and there's nothing to talk about. Neither one of the other person can, can fulfill the other person with intentional conversation. There's nothing for them to talk about. They have nothing, nothing in common. They have nothing to cipher energy back and forth. This is why relationships fall apart. Why? Because you're only beautiful and there's nothing else interesting about you. You're only rich and there's nothing interesting yeah. about you. You see, it is not about your happiness. It is about purpose. It is about the soul's journey. The soul's journey is about purpose. Your entire life is about purpose. Everything on this planet has a purpose. It's here to sell, serve a purpose. Everything in your body serves a purpose. Life is about purpose, right? Your purpose is to come down here, imprint your energy on this planet to help with the acceleration of another human being, right? So you are supposed to show your generosity once you have gained certain levels of awareness. Showing your generosity is sharing a smile, sharing a hug, sharing your companionship with someone, um, uh, having compassion, okay? so. As you begin to heal, you heal others. You are coming back to collect the rest of yourself. God is coming back to collect the rest of itself. For each person that heals, they have a saying in Mongolia. Someone who saves one person saves the entire world. That is the truth. You are wow. that one person, you know, right? It's a very powerful saying, amazing. and I love it. Yes, and I love it. It's someone who says, someone who saves one person saves the entire world. You are coming back to collect the rest of yourself. This is not about you getting rich, you becoming a millionaire, you having 10 cars. This is why you will always be unhappy because the soul's purpose is beyond the material realm. It transcends the material realm. To receive, people are rich, but they have no real friends. People are rich, but they have nobody they can vent to. People are rich, but they have nobody they can share a smile or a genuine hug to. Most people do not understand what a smile does for a human being. So when people have genuine happiness, genuine connection, a genuine relationship, with another human being, it is a liberating feeling to have that connection. Because the most important two things to a human being is attachment and authenticity. All human beings want a connection with another human being. And all human beings want to be who they are. They want to freely express who they are. They want to truly be authentic. Yes. You said we come back to find God or pieces God, of God. God. I might be fucking the, up what you said, but <laughs> we are the divine spark and we, and God is coming back to collect itself. And sometimes through our children, we heal. 
sometimes those children come back and they heal because they because it is the energy that is healing it is the compassion that is healing it is the empathy that is healing so if we can save another human being we are saving 10,000 you understand it is the equivalent yeah. to saving 10,000 people if we can save I feel like I really resonate with what you're saying right now but I know that there's going to be people listening who feel funky about the energy of saving someone because that's no, a very let's like, be clear let's be clear let's be clear we are yeah. not here to save anyone so let me make that clear that's a, that's a great point you made we are not here to save anyone we are here to get you to see the divinity in yourself so you can save yourself so i'll say that again we are not here to save anyone we are only here to get you to see the divinity in yourself so you can save yourself. Yes. And sometimes the best way to see the divinity in ourself is to really hold another or to hold space for another. That's all you have to, to do. to hear another. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is, that's it. You got it. All you have to do is provide the compassion. All you have to do is provide the space for empathy, the space for compassion, the space for understanding. So if a woman is in a destroyed relationship, you cannot pull her out. There is no way you can pull her out. All you can do is provide the space of love. The average woman goes back to her abuser, they say seven times. Can you imagine that? Regardless of what we do, regardless of how much pulling and tugging we do, regardless of how much lip service we do, the average woman goes back to her abuser seven times. Suffering is an initiation system. You will continue to suffer until you initiate yourself out of your own suffering. This life is a self-initiating system. All we can do is provide an environment, a safe place for you when you're ready to heal and even when you're not fully ready to heal i can only be a place of venting i can only be a, a hug a shoulder i can only be compassion i can only be empathy i can only be generosity why do you feel i've definitely been one of those women and that's how i first found you is you were talking about the journey sort of the mythological journey between the empath and the narcissist. Mm -hmm. So I want you to tell us what that journey is, but also why do you think um, abused people go back to their abuser so many times? Accountability is the first state of awareness. They have to gain the accountability that that life is not happening outside of them. It's happening as them. They have to gain the accountability that the abuser is not the cause of their suffering. They are just the effect. They are just the effect. They are not the cause. Once you understand that you are given the power away, then you understand they are just the effect. That they are not in control yeah. at all. So, they so have to let's go clarify. A, you have to go, so empaths have to go through a baptism through fire to gain this self-awareness. So there's a beautiful dance that goes on between the empath and the narcissist. And she has to go through a baptism through fire. And they dance and they dance and they dance all night. 
and the empath loves the narcissist and the narcissist loves the empath because one is the giver and one is the taker. So as they begin to dance and they love each other, the narcissist sets the empath on fire. So this fire that the empath is set on is a deep pain. He breaks the empath's heart. So she starts to burn and why fire? Because anything fire touches will never remain the same ever again. It will never remain the same. So as the empath burns, she gets covered in ashes. So the fire represents her deep pain. The ashes represents her regret, her resentment, her bitterness, her anger. But before the ashes can come off, you know, she has to sit in her anger, her bitterness, and her resentment. Then she goes from the ashing to the washing. She starts to wash off the bitterness, wash off the ashing. So she washes off the bitterness, the regret, the anger. But she still has not gained the awareness because even after washing it off, she is still now cased in the cocoon. The cocoon represents her solitude. She has to sit alone and reflect. And in that state of solitude, we gain the awareness of understanding that we are codependent. We love people more than we love ourselves. We have more empathy for other people than we reserve for ourselves. We have no boundaries. So as she sits in solitude and reflects on this, then the cocoon starts to dissolve. Then as the cocoon dissolves, then a new fire blazes on. But not this time, she's not set on fire with this new fire. The new fire creates a boundary around her that she understands that she's in charge of this new fire now, that she is the one wielding this new fire now because it is a system of boundaries. So now she understands that the next love that she must give must be with boundaries. So this new fire around her now that blazes around her, transforms her as she leaves the cocoon into a great phoenix. She becomes a deity, a goddess now. She understands that discernment is one of her powers. She understands that being an empath comes with great responsibility, that love itself must be protected, that she must be selfish before she can be selfless. She understands all this now. So she is now a new version of herself, a new being, a new deity. And she needed to go through this. Fuck yes. You understand? Yes. That's, that's the journey. That's the first thing I ever heard you say. And I was hooked. You got me with that. And Sir Black Abyss, I have been trying with all of my might to listen, to listen to your wisdom and not just listen to it, but integrate. And we talked, we did an Instagram live in like May mm -hmm. and I left my codependent relationship where I'm Great very job. much the empath in it. And we did a, we did a very sad live and you told me that I have, cause in my head I'm like, oh yeah, I know about healing. I'm a healer, but behind closed doors with romantic partnership, I'm still so codependent or I have been. And in May, you said I have to do the solitude to mm -hmm. become the deity. The f and 
I didn't want to be wrapped in a cocoon over summer. I tried. I tried to wrap myself in a cocoon. I tried to be in my solitude. I even went on a cross-country trip all by myself, driving and going to the ocean and the shore and seeking God in nature, in myself. And you know what I fucking did after I found some enlightenment? After I heard God speak to me in the waters, I called, I called my old relationship and told him where I was and how much I loved him. And that motherfucker was on a plane in two days (laughs) to right where I was. And we were, we were back in the codependency. Wow. And then. And it was magical. It was a honeymoon. It was so fun being at the shores with him, showing him how I've grown. And you know what? It took five days, five days to go from the honeymoon to the burning toxic hell once again. Wow. 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 Because the healing's not done. It's, it's sometimes this is the pattern of our lives, of our entire lives. We relive the same moment over and over again until we reach a dark night of the soul, till we become completely in a place of lost. We become completely lost to who we are. We lose sight of who we are and we have to go through that. We feel empty, we feel robbed. We don't have, we don't understand our reason, our purpose. You understand? So we have to sometimes go through this dark, dark side of our souls. And we do that by repetitively living the same moment over and over again until we initiate ourselves out of that moment. Yeah, I I truly feel like it's a response from the trauma I've survived. And I truly feel like I have to treat my physical body and my mind space like I'm an addict. Mm. Like I'm an addict recovering Mm. to like truly be out of this relationship because we've, we were in a relationship since our early twenties and I came from abuse. He came from his own version of abuse and we became each other's family, like each other's reflection And Mm -hmm. it's crazy how hard it is to stand on your own ground when Mm -hmm. you're so used to being reflected in someone else. Even if that reflection is dark and doesn't align with who you truly are, we find our sense of self in that reflection. And then when you lose it, it's it's a death. But I'm happy to say that now I'm in a cabin up in the mountains and I've been isolated as fuck for like two months and it's been horrific and beautiful, but I can, but I can like feel my own energy. Like there's a lot of days here where it snows so much that you can't even open the door. So it's not like you can like really leave or escape. Like I can't escape myself right now. And I think not escaping ourself is where the goddess is born. Right. You can't run from yourself. The shadow is always there. The yeah. shadow is always there. So you you were talking about like beauty and like materialism and surface level love. 
Do you have anything to say to the people out there who are who are worried they'll never find love with a partner because they feel ugly or gross or they feel too poor or not good enough or too traumatized? Like I think I still struggle with that even though like my reality reflects love back to me and I have beautiful friends and acquaintances and teachers in my life there's still this voice in my head for my abuse that I'm too disgusting for romantic partnership that nobody will ever want to love me or touch me and I've been in relationships I've like it it doesn't make sense on a logical level, but it's so ingrained in my cells that I'm too ugly, too gross, and not lovable for romantic partnership. You can't change anything in the physical world unless you change it in the spiritual realm. Anything done in the physical, you must go to the spiritual world and you must change it there first. That is the only way. So you have to go into the spiritual realm because no spiritual war, no physical war. No spiritual war, no physical war. You cannot change anything here. So you have to go into the shadow, into the world of imma- into the immaterial, the world of anti-matter, and you must go there. And then within that world, you have to embrace what you fear. What we truly fear is ourselves. So you have to go there and you have to face yourself there. You have to explain to the shadow that I am ready to face you now. We can no longer suppress and say that we are strong and we will get over anything. We must reach serenity within the shadows. So when we get to the shadow self, the parts of ourselves that we do not like about ourselves, we have to understand that we can only embrace what is, we cannot change what has happened. So we accept by looking at the shadow and telling the shadow, I cannot change what has happened, but I will embrace this moment. So we forgive ourselves in that moment. We go to the spiritual realm. That means we go and we manage our emotions. We go and manage our thoughts. We go and face those thoughts, those emotions, all those parts of us we find undesirable. And we accept them to be our truth. And we accept them to be our uniqueness. We accept everything that has happened to us and embrace it all as the experience. So now we do not try to run from our tears, but we no longer cry in pain. We cry in serenity now. So we do not destroy the ego. We do not destroy the shadow, but we mount it. We merge with it. We accept it as a part of our strength. Now we come to the physical world and now we are armored, we are ready. Now we do not care about the things and the way people perceive us anymore. Why? Because we have forgiven ourselves for accepting other people's infections and other people's perception of who we are. Because if we do not go to the spiritual world first and fight the spiritual world, we cannot change anything here in the physical. That is the reality. The inner form creates the outer reality. So embrace what has happened to you. Accept who you are. Forgive the self. That is the only way. When you say you go to the spiritual realm, what does that look like for you? 
You go and face yourself. Everything that you do not like about yourself, everything that people told you about yourself that you have found to be undesirable, everything, other people's thoughts, other people's infections are living in your consciousness. You go and face those thoughts. You go and face those emotions. You go and face all of it. And accept it. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for your words of wisdom, Black Thank Abyss. Thank you. You're you're a very bright light and you've taught me a lot. And this is one of like the episodes that I know I'm just going to listen to again, like listen to myself, just because you truly bring me teachings and wisdom. And I cherish that. Where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Oh, I have a podcast. I uh, should be doing one today, actually. I have a podcast on Anchor called Black Abyss, B-L-A-K underscore A-B-Y-S-S. Also, find me on Instagram, B-L-A-K underscore A-B-Y-S-S. There's a lot of information, a lot of content on my Instagram page. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. And if you guys want to hear him talk about the empath and the narcissist journey more, him and I did a live on my Instagram at Lacey is free. Thank you guys. Thank you, Black Abyss. Happy Venus Day to you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.